The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Beloved family of God, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Some of my very favorite passages throughout the Gospels are where the disciples just become so relatable. Two verses before this, starting in verse 3, Jesus says, If someone sins against you seven times in one day and returns and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive them seven times each day. You think about that. Seven times each day, if someone sins against you, comes back and uh, expresses a desire to change, you must forgive them, Jesus says. And I love that the disciples, <laughs> the disciples hear this and they think, Jesus, we're going to need a lot more faith if we're going to be asked to do something like that. It's so relatable, right? Forgive someone seven times each and every day. They continue to sin against you. Jesus invites his disciples and invites us into discipleship and we continually pray for more. We need more faith. Increase our faith, Jesus. Or maybe if that's not our prayer, at the very least, once someone has sinned against us five or six times, maybe our prayer could be, Lord, just let me avoid them for the rest of the day, right? But Jesus responds. In the midst of the disciples' request, in the, in the midst of their struggle, increase our faith. Jesus, Jesus responds. Jesus teaches. And he does what he so often does and helps the disciples and us focus not on our own lack, but rather on the abundant possibility that exists in life with God. A life of faith, in other words, isn't focused on the things that we lack or the things that we wish that God would increase in us, but rather a life in God is focused on the incredible power and possibility of God to fill us with every good thing that we need as we continue together on this journey of faith. One of the things I love about a reading like this, one that emphasizes the possibility found in God's faithfulness on a day where later on we'll get to celebrate two baptisms is it it helps us to remember that our faith doesn't begin at our baptism. Our faith doesn't even begin at our birth, but rather our faith sits on the shoulders 
of previous generations who have worshipped and prayed and told the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And often, that faith isn't passed on through larger-than-life acts like commanding a mulberry bush to be thrown into the ocean. But oftentimes, faith the size of a mustard seed is passed through quiet and humble invitations to walk together through good times and bad. When I was in 10th grade growing up in Fargo, I had affirmed my baptism, I'd gone through confirmation and Sunday school and all that, and for, for all I knew, I was done with church. I'd graduated. Not because of any ill will that I had toward the church or because of any teenage angst that I had at the time, although teenage angst maybe was a little bit of a part of it, but because I hadn't been invited into the deeper life of the church. And then one afternoon, it was a, a Sunday afternoon, that there was a, a phone call that came to my house. I was up in my room, I still remember it like it was yesterday, I was up in my room practicing my guitar, and a phone call came from a woman named Kim with an invitation to join a worship band at church. At that point in life, my vocation of choice was to become a rock star. So I thought every extra little bit of practice would be more than welcome at that point. So I said, sure. And it was that phone call. It was that invitation on a Sunday afternoon in high school that helped set me on this journey that's brought me here today. I'm here today because so many people have taken time to pass on the faith through Sunday school, through confirmation, through high school and young adulthood, and I bet you are too. I bet there are people in your life who have passed on the faith to you, people who have told you how important life with God is. And they often come in these small faithful acts done in love. Because it's those small, faithful acts done in great love that have the ability to build up and have an incredibly powerful impact on our lives. We're likely here today because of the faithfulness of another person. It might be your parents that instilled that mustard seed of faith in you. It might be your grandparents or neighbors or pastors or friends. But I bet there's been someone in your life that has reached out to you in faithful care at a time when you've needed it and it made all the difference. We as Calvary Lutheran Church are here because on September 27th, 1959, just 63 years ago this last Tuesday, there was a small group of people who gathered to worship together in Purim. They convinced the Evangelical Lutheran Church to give them a few hundred dollars to start a congregation. And here we sit all these years later. It's our faith that sits on the shoulders of others, continuing to pass on this word of faith. 
I'm sure there were many times where they felt overwhelmed and prayed to God with that same plea, Lord, increase our faith. But rather than simply increasing the levels in our faith, increasing the level of faith in our hearts as if it could be that easy, right? as if God could just reach down and say, okay, we'll take your faith from a five and raise it to a seven, right? Rather than simply doing that, I think God helps us in those times of feeling overwhelmed by calling us together as God's people, by calling us together as the church. And it's in those times of trial, those times of struggle, where the next step doesn't seem quite so clear that the words of Psalm 37, which we read earlier, can help clarify the next right thing for us. Psalm 37 says, put your trust in the Lord and do good. It's a good watchword for us as we head into a new week, a new month, when we're feeling overwhelmed or like nothing is going right. Put your trust in the Lord and do good. When we do that, when we act with, in faith, even in the smallest ways, it has a ripple effect that can change the tides. There's a woman named Beverly Zink Sawyer. She's a scholar and a professor out in Virginia, and she says it like this. She says, Our common prayer as the people of Jesus Christ is for more faith. But sometimes we as individuals need more than our fair share. And in those moments when we feel ourselves to be drowning in a sea of unbelief, the tide of faith generated by the community of believers lifts us into the very presence of God. That's the power of the gathered body of Christ. It's the power of us gathering together and singing and praying together, confessing our faith, receiving forgiveness, sharing peace and everything else that we do here together. We may not be throwing mulberry trees into the ocean, but we are able, through whatever faith we're able to muster, follow Jesus and come alongside each other to help raise the tides of faith and to hold each other into the very presence of God. Amen.